The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We got a new edition of the Odds and End Zones podcast on here on the BGN Radio Network. I'm your host, Seamus Clancy, joined as always by my boy Zoe. Zoe, what's going on? What's up, bro? Good to see you, man. We haven't talked since pre-Super Bowl. Yeah, but I said I did a pod we, well, last we've week. Talked. We, we've talked, yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean. We haven't, you know. I, we didn't do the scheduling, didn't line up for us to do a pre-Super Bowl yeah, betting one, which is, I yeah. said on the pod last week, I did solo for from the bleachers. Probably worked out the best, unless you're just consistently yeah. fading me, which, again, not the worst tactic in the world. Didn't do hot yeah. on the Super Bowl. The this defines my Super Bowl betting experience was like I never, <laughs> ever, ever, and never will put like a cent into any of those sports book casinos. See what I'm talking about? Yeah, like the online yeah. casino and shit I stuff. Almost well, that. Funny you mentioned that. That's so funny you said that. Um, I'm I'm looking at a, literally an email. I guess two hours ago that said I had like I have like two hundred dollars in uh in DraftKings Sportsbook Casino dollars. Yeah, I had like, You just like, do a what? spin. You just throw it on blackjack. That's what I, I know. that's what, that's the move cuz then it's just like you get rid of it all at once so you don't have to worry yeah. about it anymore like so what I did was I had they gave me a free $5 one. I'm at Lola Super Bowl party and I'm like, do I just use this? Like I never I would never put any any money in there or whatever, but yeah. if it's free, I'm going to use it yeah. cuz then I could, you know, bankroll it, you know, high roller term into right. the the actual sports book. Same so I throw, I had this $5 and I hit on like red or whatever, or black order or whatever number I did. And I won 36 bucks. I was like, Oh, I'm just going to throw this on the coin toss. And I, <laughs> and I did tails and it was heads. And that just, everything went downhill from there. Gambling wise that day. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's the biggest um, rush you could do. And like the, you know, the most 50, 50 thing. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, that and um, another weird thing that a lot of folks do is uh, the length of the anthem. Yeah, like the over under. I will tell you though, this is so. This is how how uh, gambling pilled I am. I was watching. I think it was. I think Bleacher Report, like Bleacher Report betting, like before the Super Bowl posted a video of dudes watching the countdown. And there was a comment from another better a guy commented. It was like, yeah, like if you do your research, you'll see that like for the past 10 Super Bowls, it's always gone over. 
So the the time is always going over for like the past, I think, 10 years, they said. So next year, if you bet the over under, just bet the over on the <laughs> Yeah, then I wonder, do that like we don't know a lot of this stuff, but do the books smarten up? Because then I think too. Um, and we didn't really see this specifically with this year's Super Bowl, but I think to the College Bowl National Championship, the Final Four, the, the yep. College Basketball Championship, everyone wants to bet the over. No one goes right. out of the way to bet the under. Right. And I'm sure that the actual – and this is we're talking from like the casual perspective of someone, mm-hmm. like actual people who are sharps and doing this or handicappers or mm-hmm. making their livelihood doing this, they're betting right. the under all the time just because they know what they're talking about and doing. Yeah. But I sometimes yeah. I wonder if the over – uh, at least in them is set kind of artificially high on purpose to entice those casual gamblers who make up the majority, I would say, uh, maybe not the majority profit share, but the yeah. majority of the user base. And because they know so. they want to bet the other. I, I definitely think so. I think it's one of those things where, you know, those, those people try to cook in the books. It's so, it's so old school, but I still think that like in some form or fashion, they do try to at least, give themselves yeah. you know the the and rightfully so i mean they're the book they're not right? trying to lose money right they're not in the business of giving money away so they're going to do they're going to do what they can to try to keep to keep it in house so i do think at if not this year that they eventually are going to smarten up and raise and raise all that stuff and like eventually you're going to see that unless you're laying down substantial bucks you're not really going to see a good return on stuff like that maybe i bet the under next year on the anthem yes yeah, and that's that's like I think once if all if a lot of people just start hammering the under on it, then I think that like all of a sudden you'll see like all of a, the the numbers change because I think what what they're seeing is like folks are like yo like everybody's betting the, the over because the price just keeps going older. So I think once you one good year, folks hammering the under will uh, will change that. Next year parlay for the Super Bowl under on anthem. Kenny Gainwell, first touchdown. Russell Wilson, MVP of the Super Bowl. Kenny Gainwell, first touchdown. That's an, uh, that's yeah. an uncut gems parlay that just does not happen in the real world. Like, that doesn't I, and exist. you know what? I'll even I'll even get even more bold. I'll say, um, despite what Colin Cowherd says, I hate this. I, 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 I'm I not trading Slay. I'll say a Slay pick six. And like, oh. you know. Um, Dude, defensive yeah, touchdown on there. A little little defensive touchdown on there. You know what? I think I'd probably rather say just say defensive touchdown to 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 be a coward about it. I'll just say defensive touchdown. Con coward. You are the con coward. Should we talk about that? What was it? So coward suggestion. I didn't watch the video, but obviously I've seen an aggregate of the bunch. Con coward's proposed trade was four first round picks and Darius Slay, which just seems like a random throw in from a guy who's not understanding things from a contractual salary basis, which, which is was. fine which is fine that's his job it's it's fine yeah for that's but that's literally what it was this he said all three first rounders this year next year's first and like and then he ended it with oh you like darius slay i'll give you darius slay too and, and then that again it's a guy who doesn't understand how contracts work at at all and big saying, cba guys like us Right, not big CBA guys like we are. Whatever, nobody is uh, really. But um, yeah, it's it's a disgusting video. Don't watch it. Like for for first and Darius Slay for for Russ. I mean, I've seen some crazy stuff, but it it was just nuts. And he would the the crazier thing is that he was serious about it. I mean, I, I would I'm I've become um, I guess we, we might as well transition to Harden too. I guess, but like I've become so uh, 
so so like do the deal guy. I'm win now pilled. I'm not you know, 21 like, year old. I don't care about the assets yeah. anymore. I'm just like so win. I'm I'm so win now pilled. Like since the, there's like, there's a big war going on right now. Like my uh, I had a I've had a running joke for the last like several months with a couple of my buddies, and it was like the Eagles should just trade a bunch of like as go as far in the future you can as possible with trading first round picks because you right. don't know even know if that draft happens right. or anything or the world's right. around like 2031 first round pick like what are the odds that the nfl even exists then i don't know what like not, what not possible of, everything could be over by then everything could be over and also like what what's the possibility of a of an nba draft in 2026 they're talking about abolishing the draft anyway like yeah like point, we, might, we might even have a country at that point like who cares yeah and his, so, and his freedom is our president. Somehow they, they rewrote the constitution that someone born outside of the United States could be president. Eyes and End Zones is officially a win now pill pod. Do the deal. Do the deal. We're obviously, we're huge, huge process guys. And yes. that's fine. It was a necessary evil. Like in retrospect, I don't like it as much as I did then. And I, I don't mean that in terms of like the moves they made, but just in the sense that like, hey, I guess that it's fine if you're the, the comparison I use if you're just some a person who has two kids and you really like Sixers basketball and you wanted to come home after a day of work, put the kids to bed and it's eight o'clock and you want to watch the Sixers game. That kind of sucks if they're just like literally trying not to win the game in a way. I know yeah, the players like, specifically weren't. They were just, you know, constructing a roster that was terrible. And obviously it's paid dividends. They there were a lot of failures and misfires there, but it landed Joe and it put us in a position to have harder now so it's it's certainly a win and i'm happy we went through it and you know if it wasn't for that my career probably isn't the where it is now because of how much liberty bars was part of the coverage of that area but i think now if i was my age then and that was kind of there was a generational divide then too i think on on twitter and now i'm like you know it was smart it was the right it feels a little dirty but it was the right thing to do but i wouldn't really want to endure it the way i did then i i i 100 agree because at during the time of the during the process years um, I, I was single. Like me and Shane, literally just started dating. So like, it didn't matter to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah, yeah. You don't have you like, like real life responsibilities then, where you could kind of right. around I was, you. I like, was, I'm watching. Like, I like, I, like, could you imagine having like with two kids, wife, all those things? Like having league pass now. You yeah. can barely watch like the own Sixers yeah. game. Like I couldn't do league pass now, but I watched all the time in college, and I was so into all the minutia and the tanking right. and the rebuilding. And the money. I probably could have named the the twelfth man on every roster. Yeah. It's just different when you get older. No, and 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 it's a good point because the divide I think was very clearly like the detractors were the guys who were like. How am I supposed to pay money for this? I don't want to pay money for this. You know, like I don't want to bring yeah. my kids down to this. And like now having kids, like I get it. You know, like, I don't, I'm not like I wouldn't, if this was the process years, no, I wouldn't pay to take my son. My son has the attention span of 20 minutes. Like I wouldn't pay, you know, to $30 for chicken fingers and, you know, $50 apart just to go watch a, a, a 10 and 10 and 26 basketball. Team. Whatever. You know, right. So like I, I get it. I understand. Now, like you said, I, I I totally get the the other side of the of the think tank, but um, yeah, it was it was right in terms of basketball operations, but yes. just kind of sucked if you're a yes. fan of a certain 
you know, background, age, demographic, whatever, it becomes a detriment. But I'm kind of happy that, you know, Joe isn't isn't necessarily young anymore. So I don't know how long we'll be on this win now ride, but uh, let's keep it going as long as possible. I don't want to go back to that. that That's it. So, you know, punting on, you know, we talk about the Eagles punting on a single game in 2020 season, how much of a disaster that was in terms of the conversation and discourse around it. I don't even want to go back to punting an entire, you know, three seasons of basketball anymore. Right. Well, and I, and I think that um, I think Hinky's issue or, or the, the, the issue that faced him when he took the job was he had like there was bad contracts up and down that roster. They didn't have any assets. So like he had they were missing have, a couple of picks. Right. And he had to peel back the onion even further. I think after yeah. this run, which if we be serious with ourselves, probably only honestly at Joe's age, at, at the way Harden is, we probably only, we, you know, we got them for another good three and a half, maybe four years. So like this run ends, we're going to be in much better shape than they were before the process started. Like you're going to have yeah. Therese Maxey, who's just, who knock on wood, should just about to be ready to be maxed out. You're going to probably most likely have um, a ton of other good draft capital and like who knows what Jaden Springer looks like, Paul Reed, all those guys. So like, I, I don't think that even after this run that they'll be in a process part two type phase. I think they'll just be in a, all right, do we want to put our put our chips all in for another young star, or do we want to just you know um, build through the draft and go and grab another you know some mid level free agents, which is like completely different. Because when you when, you remember when we started the process, dude, like it was it was terrible. We were like, oh man, like. <laughs> Then I, it yeah, was welcome for people were calling for it for years before it happened. And just because not every team needs to do the full blown tank to rebuild. Right. It, it's not a necessity, but it was necessity for where the Sixers were at. Yep. And I looked to Houston and I think that Maury might have been in a position where he wanted to do a strip down, but I don't think he was yeah. allowed to buy ownership. And that's why they did the little red paper clipping. Uh, you know, you win this trade, you win this trade, you win this deal, you win this deal. And then eventually you find yourself having James yep. Harden. That's a yep. situation that I could see, you know, if Sam Hickey came into a different type of roster he inherited when he came here, it doesn't necessarily mean that he was going to do a full-blown teardown. And I don't think necessarily Daryl Morey wants to deal with that. And even if, you know, four or five years from now, Joe and, and James are gone, I still have faith that he'll be able to keep things at least middling entertaining while also still building for the future and putting in the position to get the next big star that's available by a trade free agency, whatever. I think he – I do think that he said – I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I almost feel like there was a time or two where in this – during this process where he said, like, he – basically Sam – Sam yeah, he calls him Sam. Sam did – Sam Hinkie – Sam did whatever he had to do. And, and I, what I think he means by that is extreme turnover was needed. So, like, he – you know, he, he yes. did exactly what he had to do, which is like, look, they don't even have a foundation here. Like, we got to rip everything up from the roots and just start over. I think, um, like you said, I actually think that what they would do is more so stay middling, keep it entertaining, you know, keep it enough to where people are like, no, I get it. They're, you know, they're bridging the gaps and to the next phase of a run. You know yeah. Then Max ends like, up that guy who's made like, ends up making, two or three all-star teams in his prime not like a hall of famer or anything like right. that but a guy that you know maybe he's on a darius garland track we're like we have this exciting young player right. 
picked up an all-star team or two. He's not an right. all-star starter, but he's really good. And that kind of leaves us in a place where we can be decent. We could, uh, you know, be entertaining for people, but at the same time, we're keeping that flexibility for a big trade or a big signing. And I, and if you look at who my the example I like to use is is look at Memphis. It didn't take them forever. John Morant and Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain were all within two years of each other, and yeah. and they're the, they're the three seed in the West. They don't have any veterans. Like there's no like you know sincere veterans on that team. They're all young guys who've only been in the league for two or three years. Like. That it does not take long at all. Like you, you hit, you hit right, and you get a front office. <laughs> What's funny enough, the the Sixers scouting department is actually really, really good. I mean, they got the, the, those are the same guys who got Maxi and Paul Reed and and those guys and like and you know Charlie. I mean Bass. that uh twenty twenty draft is incredible in retrospect. Where yeah. you know you have yeah. Maxi is can maybe be a fringe star uh, with the twenty first pick. And then you have Paul Reed, who's contributor as a second round pick, and they had yep. Isaiah Joe, who might be, you know, I think is a legit rotation piece in this league. Yeah, with a second round pick. You just you're hitting on a second round pick who's a player, not saying he has to be great. He's just an NBA rotational player. That's a big win. If you're getting two in the same draft, in addition to getting a guy who has star upside outside of the lottery, yeah, that's incredible. And what one of the things that um that Maury's known for or was known for even even during his mostly during his time at Houston is like being able to pick those those scrap heaps up so like second round guys the Robert Covington's of the world who like you know you just you find out of nowhere and you turn them into something which is like fine archetypes right so like it may not be during this run but like over the summer if it turns out you know he, he brings in two or three dudes who are just either guys we never heard of or guys that he turns into rotation players, I would not be surprised at all. That's just, that's no. just the way he operates. He's just, yeah. that's like his eye, his eye for that kind of talent is incredible. It's one of the best in the league. He just knows, he, he knows how to find guys with specific skill sets. I did want to mention this, and this isn't a sponsored post or anything, but DraftKings is running a special right now. If you put $25 on a team to win the title in the NBA, you get an extra buck towards a free bet come the playoffs. So the Sixers have 24 games left. And if you throw $25 for them to win the title, which is they're plus 700 right now, I got them at plus 1600 right before the Harden trade. I'm really happy about that. And say the Sixers go, you know, 16 and eight in that span, you get a $16 free bet come the postseason. And and also if you, if you do the bet today, you get a free, um, $10 $10 same game parley for the following day that you make the bet. So I bet it today. I don't know what time this will come out or anything like that. If it's, yeah. you know, recording this late Thursday afternoon, I don't know if it's going to come out tonight. It's going to come out tomorrow morning, but you can try to throw it on there. And then tomorrow I'm going to put some hardened props together yeah. for some fun there. Looking at their, their schedule, the, the next 24 games, I probably see them at, I probably see them. My originally I said 20 and four. But I can I can see them going like seventeen and seven. I, I just I'll take seventeen and seven. I, I wrote because um, you're still gelling, right? And I was I was talking to I was talking to to, to Mike Mike Levin the other day, and I kind I just mentioned to him like I think the word when you, when when people in sports right when teams say you trade for a guy and say oh it's gonna take a while to get up and running or it's gonna take a while to get acclimated. I don't think that has to be a negative connotation. Like I think we're just used to 
assigning a negative connotation to that. I think it can be just as positive. Like if you're like, look, it's gonna take a while, but like you can still win games if it takes a while to do. Like yeah. that, that listen, they're still rolling out the MVP favorite and a bunch of other, you know, and a bunch of other guys who helped them get to where they are now, even before Harden. So like yeah. it, there's nothing, there's nothing in that statement of it's gonna take a while for him to get to click. That means that they have to lose six in a row or like they have to have a yeah. bumpy start out. It can you can still come out and win, you know, the first six games of the Harden era and be like, yeah, just wait till we actually start clicking. Like they can come out just on talent and beat teams, which I think we'll see. Exactly. I, I, I personally think we'll see that more than anything for this next week. You know, I, I think you're just going to see them just over talented teams. Like they play Minnesota. They should be Minnesota. Like I know Cat and, and but like they should still be Minnesota. And then they got I don't know if it's uh, official with the lines because of Harden's status, even though we're assuming he's gonna play. Minnesota is currently a one point favorite. Yeah, so like, that's obviously because they don't know if Harden's playing like officially playing. Yeah, so it's not um, official yet. That yeah. line will change tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, it'll change. Yeah. And then um, you know, the same thing with like they play the Knicks, they have a back to back with the Knicks. They they're gonna beat the Knicks. And then you get into the meet the schedule two weeks two weeks away, you play play the Nets and like I, I, I can almost I would almost guarantee that the Nets are not gonna have Ben Simmons. I don't see Ben Simmons playing in Philadelphia. Um I see Do you think he will ever play in Philadelphia another game in his career? No, I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. I don't think they what if ever... they call him in a playoff series? In I don't think he'll series. ever play a he'll never play a regular season game in Philadelphia. Regular season, that's that's a decent bet. He might have he's gonna team. have to if it happens in the playoffs. It could happen this year, right? He yeah. that, he has it to play, right? It could literally happen to where the Sixers are the three seed and the Nets are the six seed. And like the, yeah. the first round series is them. His first game in the playoffs is here. Like then he's got a plum ankle that day. Right. right, right. I read like, it. Uh, shouldn't in a way he just uh, ripped the bandaid off on the 10th because yeah. of that. Like if, if you're the Nets brass, are you going to be like, you should play because we might play them in the playoffs this year. And, Odds are we're going to be playing them sometime in the next three years, just, just the nature of the league. And if that's your first time, that's going to be a hell of a lot worse and a lot yeah. harder on you and a lot harder on this entire team because you're going to be a huge distraction. Just rip I, it off for a random regular season game on a Wednesday. I think there's something Thursday, to be said for – I agree. I think there's something to be said for just mm-hmm. – I, I think they underestimated the, the – the, I mean, the trade is done, but I really think they underestimated how much – how much mental stress that the past couple of months have been for everybody. And yeah. I really, I really don't think he wants to play here. And I don't even, even as a, a visiting player, I, I agree. Danny Green on his podcast yesterday was just like, I'll be surprised if Ben ever plays a game here. And he, cause he hates it here. That's not a guy who's saying that from the, from, you know, hearsay, like if you're in a locker room with him, and like you know how he looks on home game days, you're like, oh yeah, like he hates it here. And like Danny Green drops bombs on that podcast. Yeah. The crazy thing is, he was one of Ben's biggest like proponents. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he was the one who told us that we were too that we were too rough on our own players. And like, yeah. I, I listen, I totally understand being cordial and being a good teammate and being a good you know employee, but like. Bro, you called us out. You said that we are we're too rough on our, our own players. 
and we need to give him a chance. Like, you could have just left it at, I just think Ben just needs some time. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, whatever. But, like, the bombs he's been dropping since Ben left, incredible. Um, and and so I, I – but I just think that um, – I think the Nets have the work cut out for him with him. I, I do. I, I, I know, like – I know kind of how talented he is in the regular season because we all we all do, but man, I just think that they think that it's it's more than the change of scenery for me. I just think that it's a lot that's going to have yeah. to go into that. Do you want anything for the game tomorrow? Kind of hard with the, the kids. Right? Um, I, is, I, is it does that help you that it's an eight o'clock game, right? It does help because we get we typically, especially on Fridays. On Fridays, we like to get the game, um, you know. Uh, in the bath and in bed by like eight eight fifteen. So like, at the very most, I missed like the first five minutes. But that's that's eight o'clock. You on just Friday. missed eight eight hardened free throws. Yeah, like I, I missed like I missed the first fifteen hardened and free throws. Um, it's, it's it's even better now because uh, every Sixers game is going to be four hours long. So it's perfect. Yeah. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Do you want any euphoria stuff? Again, we might talk about euphoria right now, so be warned of any spoilers if you haven't been up to date on the penultimate episode, which aired last Sunday, aired season last Sunday, finale yeah. on Sunday. So be warned. I, will, I won't be a complete jerk. I'll just say um, I'll give my 30,000-foot overview. Again, I don't want to be a jerk to everybody who hasn't caught up. I think this season for um, – one, so two people, I'll give on two people. I think this season for Rue is certainly award worthy. I, I, I man, she, she's I been incredible. She's been incredible. I, I, I think that, um, man, she's been, she's, she's been, she's been incredible. I, I, I really, really, really have enjoyed her character and the kind of arcs that she takes. Her, um, you know, her sponsor, Ali, his character has been amazing. I, I just think it's, you know, her mom, her sister. I, I think the whole, that foursome has been really, really good this year and this season, excuse me. Um, and then Nate Jacobs, man. I, listen, I can't – I know they already signed off on season three. I just can't see a world where I, I make it through another full season with him. What What is your pro comparison for him? We've talked about this. I said Jay Cutler build and obviously definitely body language and attitude. Yeah. But with some Drew Lock wheels. I look more at Drew Lock. I, I I'm I'm on board with that. I think totally big Drew Lock vibes. A lot of a lot of Jay Color, you know, blase and like, yeah, some some Drew Lock stuff. And he just yeah, he looks at he the cutler vibes are for me the talented kid who you just feel like you have to beat up every day. Like I have to I have to yell at you. And, His coach and, must hate him. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I just know this coach hates him because you know who he is? He's also the kid who, like, he wakes up on conditioning day, hungover, 
and he still goes and outruns everybody. And you're like, yes, I really wish I could yell at you right now, but you just outran everybody. So what am I going to say? Did he have a a Baker and OBJ relationship with McKay, you think? Yeah, (laughs) that's actually really good, too. I love that. Where's uh, McKay been? I guess they they had so many plot lines from season one, they couldn't figure them all out. So um, Is he he off the college team, you think? I think he's off the college team. Remember? Because I remember – there's a story like his dad was being a hardo because he wasn't first string as a freshman, which is just like, and you know, it's a stereotypical like, dad archetype. And his dad was basically like, you know, like Maddie's like ruining your life. Like you're too focused on Maddie, blah, blah, blah. And like, that's the reason you're not first string. And then it turns out he got there and just turns out that like he just wasn't that good. But like, which happens. Um, and I'm sure like, they do take a lot of classic archetypes. And it does have, like, we talked about this before. The show feels like it's set in Texas, but it's set in Southern California, <laughs> in a way. The the funny thing about that, right? Because the football vibes feel, which were more, pre- like, prevalent in the first season. Yeah. And especially, I think, back to the first season when they had that festival or carnival or fair. Right. That yep. felt very, like, state fair type vibe in, yeah. like, uh a landlocked or middle Midwest or Texas type place that felt like a, that felt more like a rural PA type. Like, yes. Thing. Not as opposed to a California type (laughs) venture, but um, that was not, it was a lot of real parts of the show, but that felt more real than anything where like the star running back goes to, you know, D one school. And it's just like, not doesn't even scratch the surface because he's, He's only he's he's one of a hundreds of him. Like there's a hundred yes. cases when he goes. He got there and they were just like, "Oh, you're just another drop in the bucket, dude." Yeah. Like, which is why, like, you look at. Um, so I, was, I I had a conversation with um, with a buddy of mine, and we were just talking about how I got like college freshmen, specifically in football. Basketball is kind of different because it's more of an individual sport and there's less people on the team. But like college freshmen. Who make an impact because he I mean, he doesn't he didn't go to the prep but he was like oh your boy had three touchdowns in the rose bowl talking about marvin harrison i was like i was like dude you have to realize how hard that was like leading up to that he got he he was like fourth on their depth chart and like guys got hurt his number got called he could have easily dropped like his first five passes and then and it would have been like oh yeah dude like you you may not see the field like until spring ball but like he just like he balled out Score three CDs, and now everybody's like, "Yeah, that like that's wide receiver one next year." Like, your your fortunes change so much when you're a top level prospect. It's so different. Top level and mid level are literally it's miles away. And I think the physical difference when you're going to the obviously I didn't play college triple or anything like this. I'm just speaking what it just seems sound thought process yeah. and rational. The physical difference when you're coming in as a freshman 100%. must be so overwhelming because yeah. the year before you're playing against 10th graders who got broken up with between <laughs> chemistry and lunch. And now right. you're going against a guy with the size of Chase Young. There's a bunch of Chase Youngs out there. There's a bunch of Chase Youngs. There, right. there are guys who are physically ready to play in the NFL day one that day. Right. And they're going right. against them now. And to have like, that kind of impact. Maybe you see it more at skill positions. Maybe it's easier at a, at a receiver yeah. or position. It must be really hard in the trenches, I would think, to have that type yeah. of impact instantly. Because you need yeah. to get in a collegiate uh, you know, strength and conditioning program. And yep. that, that really uh, 
makes a huge difference for the, those, uh, you know, the guys in the trenches or linebackers yeah. or stuff like that, as opposed to some of the skill positions or, uh, you know, secondary players potentially. I think that, um, so what I like to do is I actually do, sometimes I Google or like YouTube, like such and such college, like, like, like nutrition program or like strength and conditioning program. And it's getting ready for Amari. Get ready, get Amari ready. You know, getting our, <laughs> we rub his calves down with uh, buttermilk every night before bed. That's right. So like, <laughs> it's like, um, you, you don't understand just how grueling it is. So like, you could be, you could be like y'all. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a high school quarterback. I'm going to such and such college. You're used to, you know, being rushed by dudes who have like lacrosse scholarships to like Franklin Marshall and stuff. You get, yes. you get to your first collegiate yes. practice, and the guy, the guy coming off the edge is a top five NFL draft. Like he's ready. You yeah. know what I mean? And Jonathan like, Davis is coming at you. Right, right. You line up, and like Jonathan Davis is literally. 10 feet away from you, right? They're ready to rip your head off. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. So like I probably gotta spend a little bit more time in the weight room and in the cold tub. Like it's it's a different world, man. I I I applaud those guys because it's a it's a different world and it, it's a it's a job really. Like college sports is a job. My dad had a buddy who I think played at Clemson collegiately, um, from from Philly, from South Philly. And he got like a, you know, undrafted free agent rookie yeah. or training camp thing. Signed with the Bucks, And this is probably late 90s, I would think. First practice, I guess he's an interior lineman. Yeah. Goes up against, literally his first, is goes up against Warren Sapp. And he said before the play even started, he knew his career was over. It was He was just not going to be able to do it. Like the first time you ever stepped on the NFL field for any sort of player scrimmage you were going against Warren Sapp as a guy who was undrafted <laughs> from Clemson and well, you know, from, from guy from Grace Ferry just just left. <laughs> he didn't just leave, but I'm I'm assuming he probably didn't make the roster. And I'm sure, you know, mentally there's the mental element too where yeah, if you're this guy for the guys that make it that are so unheralded, their mental toughness and stanimo or however you want to say it has to be just off the charts. I think to Corey Clement, who started the year undrafted yeah. rookie for agent seven, yeah. like was sixth or seventh on the uh, death chart. And then goes chart. Has yep. One of the best Super Bowl running back performances of the last 15, 20 years. And, and it goes back to, you know, you look at your undrafted and you look at your, you know, your free agents and like those guys, there becomes a point where you just, you just say, I'm going to sacrifice. And, your job becomes just staying in shape because people get hurt all the time, yeah. you know, and guys get lost for the season guys get lost for 10 games. So you go from, you know, look, we're going to bring you on a practice squad or we're going to bring you on the traveling squad. And I see, you know, you got to come in, you know, week, week 10 against the giants because all the other running backs are hurt. Like that, that's the, that kind of stuff is like what you look for is like the, the right kind of, um, the right kind of job interview, basically, so to speak, is like, all right, you know, this this kid's got something. Had a, you know, he he got a buck against the against the Giants. Maybe let's keep him in practice squad, see how he does for a year or whatever. It's like yeah. that's really all you want. You get a chance, then it's up to you to to on what you make or break it. Do you want to give a spoilery prediction for Euphoria before we go that again? Spoiler warning for anyone. Yeah. So uh, my. I'll give you my my one prediction is I think that 
I think something this is so broad, but I I I think that there is one last like Nate kind of oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I think confrontation. Nate, yeah, I think I think there's like one last confrontation slash like desperate type, you know, leap of leap of evil faith from Nate to where he like I, I think he finally meets. Uh, I'm not gonna say he dies, but I, I think Nate finally meets like his official end on on Sunday. I, I don't think that I would be shocked if if they like leave do- the door open for him to come back another season. I'm excited. Fresh Coast by Dust. I, I love that stupid show. It's so like there's there are people talk about like enjoying stuff ironically, and at a certain point, I'm like, no, f that. I just enjoy the show. Is it the greatest <laughs> show ever? No, but it's just entertaining as hell. I think yeah, like, it's not goes. Even ironic for me. yeah, like for me, it's, it's not even ironic for me anymore. At, at first, it was ironic, but now I'm just like, yeah, I just love the show. Like, I'm enthralled at the characters. I mean, they, there's a lot of great performances. In a way, the show feels like a music video in a way more than a show, just the way it's shot. And, you know, you're kind of uh, – it kind of has this magical realism aspect to it. It does that, feel that, like – That, like, runs under the surface. Like, it almost doesn't feel like it's existing in reality. That's such a good way to put it. It does feel more like a a like an hour long music video as opposed to a show because there's always yes. like there's always music. There's always like dark lit rooms and stuff. Like it, it rarely feels like a an actual show. Like I, every time I watch, especially it, with Lexi's play, you were just right. jumping over timelines and different characters, different actors and actresses play, right. playing different characters. Well, who, who has a bigger budget, uh, Lexi's play or the Cape and Sword Drama Society? <laughs> I still think Braithwaite gets a couple grand for it. I, 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 I think Braithwaite still pulls some strings, and they get they get a couple a couple grand because I their last play was uh, was substantial. So shout out, nice. shout out to Cape and Sword. Do you think we get some crazy big Zendaya musical number like the end of the first season? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think it's a like it's a, the show is kind of an avenue for her. Uh, artistic yeah. musical career, which I respect. That I mean, that was mesmerizing yeah. at the end of the first season, but we'll see. I think we do get some kind of crazy, crazy number. I, I think they have to end it with some kind of, you know, ridiculously, you know, well thought out and choreographed number. But yeah, I, I absolutely think so. I think back to the second season of the OC where they had the cliffhanger where, uh, you know, the girl shot uh, Ben McKenzie's brother, and that was like the huge yeah, cliffhanger, and exactly. then spoofed on SNL. Like, I, f- I could see some of those vibes where, you know, Lexi and Zendaya are there, or Lexi and Rue, I should say, uh, there when Fezco goes down, or, or something like that. Yeah. And those those drug dealers. I mean, that that plot line still needs to be resolved, where Rue's mother uh, flushed all the drugs down the drain that she was gonna and like yeah, like, so like pawn that. off on people, and that like. There's got to be an ending to that or like a continuation of that. So I, I think that there's, I, I think you're right. I think there is going to be some kind of, some kind of cliffhanger, maybe a small one, but yeah, I, I think that there's just so many everything. plot lines. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that there's just too much for everything to be shored up on Sunday alone. I wonder if it's an extended uh, episode, you know, it goes over an hour. I'm going to see if I could find the run time for it. So you think about like Thrones, some of the episodes were like an hour and a half, two hours when they were getting towards the end of the season. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, and I can't quite remember last year how long how long season one's finale was, but I feel like it may be like an hour 15 and not just a straight hour. 
doesn't say on here for episode eight. But oh, maybe I could look at uh like the TV calendar on like the yeah, or if you check yeah, um, look at, like just like an HBO and fast HBO forward to Sunday. I don't have the app on me, but HBO Max might show you too. It's only the nine of like uh no 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 it's just nine p.m. to ten oh three p.m. So not something super extended. All right, so yeah, so so it's gonna be action packed. Then we know that at least you got a lot going on, a lot going on. Yeah. All right, you got anything for me? Oh, I think that's it for me. I think that's it for me too, bro. All right, that's it for us. Be sure to Harden game. Be sure to subscribe to the BGN Radio podcast on your pod, podcast platform of choice. Leave a five star review. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. All our podcasts. Uh, for this, as well as from the Bleachers, are on the BGN YouTube channel. There'll be a link to the BGN YouTube channel in your podcast description. Additionally, you could find Zoe's work, Sixers work, uh, if the rights to Ricky Sanchez newsletter. That, does that come out every Wednesday? Does it come out Thursday, or is it just weekly? Every uh, every days? every Thursday. It's every, every Thursday, Thursday or Friday. Okay. Rights to Ricky Sanchez.com slash newsletter. And then you could also still obviously find my work here on BGN Radio, but starting Monday, we'll have a new position as the deputy sports editor at Philly Voice. You can follow all my work on there at phillyvoice.com, as well as home to BGN Radio's own Jimmy Kemsky, who is uh, Philly Voice's Eagles beat writer. So some good brand and corporate synergy going on right now. Yes, all right. sir. See ya. Peace.